0: Welcome to Bible Breath, where we dig into the Word of God to catch our breath for whatever's coming next. Today, as we continue to talk about our life with God, what it's supposed to look like, and why it's supposed to look like that, we're continuing a journey through each of the Ten Commandments, probably the most famous list of laws in the entire world. Today we're going to look at the third commandment. Now, reminder there are two different ways of numbering the commandments and we are using the way that the commandments are numbered in a book called the Small Catechism written by Martin Luther back in the early 1500s. That book is still an excellent tool for teaching your family the deeper meaning of each of these commandments. I recommend you pick up a copy if you don't already have one. The third commandment says, "Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy." Now, Sabbath isn't a word that we use very often. But to help get to the meaning of it, I want to list some of the benefits of sleep or rest. Uh, Did you know that sleep helps repair your body? Sleep helps keep your heart healthy. Sleep reduces stress, sleep improves your memory, sleep helps control body weight issues, sleep reduces your chances of getting diabetes, and sleep reduces the occurrence of mood disorders. And so there are lots of benefits and there are many more benefits to sleep that I haven't listed. But God created our bodies to benefit from rest. And not just our bodies. He created our hearts and our souls to benefit from rest as well, and not just physical rest, spiritual rest. And the third commandment actually deals with both of those things, with physical rest and also spiritual rest. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And again, Sabbath might be an unfamiliar word. It's an Old Testament word. It's a Hebrew word. The original word is sabbat. Can you say that? Sabbat? Sabbat. (laughs) Now you know a little Hebrew if you didn't previously. Uh, And the word sabbat very simply means rest so God was saying remember the rest day by keeping it holy and to treat something as holy means to hold it in high regard to hold it in high regard so treat our rest day as something that is worth regarding so one of our Bible buzzwords here is going to be Sabbath it is the Hebrew word for rest and it is what the third commandment deals with. Rest for our bodies, rest for our souls. Now, along the lines of the third commandment, this hypothetical situation may happen to you at some point if it hasn't already happened to you. It's possible that you will run into somebody somewhere along the way who is also learning about the commandments, reading the Bible, and they will read the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, and they might come to you and say, you know what that means? You know, God commands us to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Holy, and so that means that we ought to be having church on Saturday because that's when they worshiped in the Old Testament, on Saturday. And so they might conclude then, if we have to worship on Saturday because that's how they did it in the Old Testament, then if you worship on Sunday, then you're committing a sin. How would you respond to that? You could respond by first saying, yeah, the Old Testament Israelites were required to worship on Saturday. That is exactly what God had in mind when he said, remember the Sabbath day. It was, the Sabbath day was their Saturday. It was the seventh day of the week. It was modeled after when God created everything in seven 24 hour days. That's six days he spent starting on Sunday, he spent, six days he spent creating everything and on the seventh day, Saturday, he rested. But that doesn't mean that that's what we have to do today. You have to remember the context of the Old Testament laws, that there are three types. There are ceremonial laws, Laws given by God to Israel that governed their worship life. There were civil laws, laws given by God to Israel that governed their civil life, property, government, etc. And then moral laws, laws given by God that govern the heart and apply to all people of all time, not just the Israelites. Now, the third commandment is a combination of all of those three. It deals with a day of worship, Saturday. It deals with a day of rest, physical rest. That's uh, that's that would be a civil law. You were they were not allowed to do physical work. It was against the law to do that. Um, And then also they were honoring God with their corporate worship. All of those things applied to the Israelites when God gave that law and that's all what they would have known. Saturday is our day of worship. Saturday is the day I can't punch into the office. And then it's also the day that we gather together with with the rest of God's people for corporate worship. Leviticus 23 says it so simply. It says, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. That was a civil law. That was a ceremonial law. It applied to Israel. And you could acknowledge that when somebody comes to you and says, didn't the Israelites worship on a Saturday? You could say, yes, absolutely. And they were required to, to worship on any other day. in the way that God had designed for them, their corporate worship would have been a sin. But that doesn't mean that that law, that same law applies to us. And why is that? Fast forward to the time of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is the individual who, through God's inspiration, wrote 13 books in the New Testament. He wrote after Jesus came, after Jesus died, after Jesus rose. And he said this to a group of people who are having the same discussion about when are we supposed to worship and what is it supposed to look like. In the book of Colossians chapter 2, he says, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. He was telling them, don't let anyone tell you, you have to worship on a certain day. He said, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Those Old Testament laws were a shadow of the things to come. Now, that might not make sense immediately, but let me try to explain it. Imagine that visually between me and you, that there's there's the wall of a building, so that you can't see me. I'm I'm behind the wall, and that the wall cuts off about right here. And imagine you are standing right where you are, looking at the wall. So you can't see me, you can see the wall, and you can see the edge of the wall. Imagine also that the sun is shining from this direction, off to my left. And so if the sun is shining this direction on me, where is my shadow gonna be? It's gonna be on the ground over here. And So as you are looking at me, you're not gonna see me, but you're gonna see my shadow. And imagine that I am walking in this direction. So I am walking this way from behind the wall, As soon as I step around the corner, to this side of the wall, you know what you no longer look at? You're no longer looking at my shadow. You're looking at me. The shadow told you I was coming. And once I came, you no longer needed to see the shadow to know that I was real or that I was around. That's how the Apostle Paul is describing the purpose of God's Old Testament laws. They were the shadow. A lot of those Old Testament laws were the shadow telling you that someone important was coming, far more important than me. They were the shadow telling you that Jesus is coming. It's like, worship, find rest, find rest. They were a picture of that was supposed to tell you that there's someone who's coming who's going to give you perfect rest. Your attempts to rest once a week are all pointing together to point you to the one who's coming to give you the best rest of all. And until Jesus came, the shadow was necessary to keep their attention on that savior who was coming. That's why God set up so many of those worship laws and civil laws. But then once Jesus came, the shadow was no longer necessary. And that's what the apostle Paul is saying. A lot of those Old Testament laws that were given just to Israel for the purpose of pointing them ahead to Jesus. Once Jesus came, they were no longer necessary because Jesus was right there in front of them. Another way to look at the Old Testament laws would be to consider them like a, like a movie preview. When you go to the movies, they often have previews to tell you that something is coming. They don't tell the whole story. They don't show you the whole movie, just the little snippets, say something exciting is coming, something wonderful is coming. And that's how the Old Testament laws for Israel were used by God as a, as a preview. And so the Old Testament laws were a shadow and a preview. And once Jesus came, so many of them no longer apply. Now that doesn't mean that we ignore the third commandment, we don't, because within the third commandment is our need for rest, physical rest and spiritual rest. And in the rest of scripture, Jesus himself talks about our need for those things still. You know, Jesus himself is the one who said in Matthew 11, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest. "'Take my yoke on you and learn from me, "'for I'm gentle and humble in heart, "'and you will find rest for your souls.'" Unless you're somebody who never gets worn down by life, unless you're somebody who was never burdened with guilt, then I suppose, you know, maybe maybe you wouldn't need rest, the rest that Jesus promises there, but you do. You get worn down by life. You get burdened by guilt. And Jesus wants to lift that burden off your tired heart. And that's the part of the third commandment that, boy, we still need to put into practice we still need to regularly come to Jesus for that rest again and again and again. And Jesus emphasized that in a really, really neat way once when he was visiting with his friends, Mary and Martha in their home. And As they were visiting, the, uh, the ladies, they were doing two separate things. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to every word that he had to say, and Martha was getting the house ready because after all, if Jesus is gonna come to your house, you want the house to look good. <laughs> you want the meal to be great. So he is, a, he is, you wanna be a great host for God. But Jesus used that as an opportunity to say, say, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many different things here. Just take a lesson from your sister and, and rest yourself at my feet so that I can remind you of all the good things that God has in store for you and all the good things that God wants you to hear again and again and again. Jesus was in that house in that day reminding us of the importance of sitting down and listening to Jesus. And where do we find the voice of Jesus? We find it, we find it in his word. And we can read that word individually, but from the very beginning, you know, even right from when God created Eve to go along with Adam, God has had in mind that God's people would be going through life together. And there are places that are designed to not only give you a place where you can be together with other people, but you also can be together around the word of God that gives all of us rest. And the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 10, he he urges us, don't neglect those places. He says, let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And the day he's talking about, it's, it's the day that Jesus comes back, judgment day. He wants us to be ready for that day, which will be the most significant day in every single person's existence. And he wants us to be ready for it by regularly reminding ourselves that in Jesus, we already are ready for it. In Jesus, we're already God's children. In Jesus, we're already forgiven. In Jesus, we're members of God's family and our heavenly father is, he's watching over us every step of the way. The writer of the Hebrews is talking about church. Now you may or may not like all the songs that your church sings, maybe you love all of them. You may or may not like just, Every, every Everything that, the way that it operates, you may or may not even like all the people who, <laughs> who come. But God designed us to be in communion with one another, to be in relationships with one another for an important reason. And we can illustrate that by thinking of charcoal. I don't know if you ever grill anything out on the grill with charcoal, but you know, if charcoal briquettes, they are, you know, they're just these, these, these cold blocks of charcoal that you pile up and But then when you you light them, then they start to warm. And that's how you cook your food over the warm charcoal briquettes. Um, Have you ever tried taking one of those pieces of charcoal away from a blazing fire of charcoal? If you have, then you know what happens very quickly to that one piece of charcoal that you put off to the side. Even if it was on fire when you took it out, If you put it off to the side, it very quickly loses its fire. It becomes cold. And goes out because the way that charcoal works is that they feed off of each other. And each other pieces of charcoal in order to to be full of fire, full of life, you might say. And that's how it is for Christians too. We need one another. We fill each other with with fuel, with life, with with good things. God designed us that way. To be around other people that you can lean on and for you to be someone that other people can lean on so that none of us have to go through life alone. And so God designed places along the way where we can go through life together and be fueled up with the word of God and also be fueled up with our interactions with one another. And that's why why God tells us, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Whatever day of the week or whatever days of the week you end up getting together with God's people around the word of God, it's a good day. It's a necessary day. Remember to do that by keeping it holy, revere that time, protect it. Don't let life get in the way. There's so many different things you can do in life, but this is something that we must do for the sake of our souls. And Martin Luther, when he wrote about it in his in his, in his his catechism, he explained it this way. When he said, what does this mean? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? He said, we should fear and love God that we do not despise preaching and his word, but regard it as holy and gladly hear And learn it. And something cool happens every time you do. There's a story that Jesus once told in the Bible about two sons. A man had two sons. One son was very obedient to his father. Did everything the right way, followed the rules. You might call him the perfect son. And the other son was kind of the opposite. He, um, He hated his father, despised him, wanted nothing to do with him, even demanded that his father gave him his share of the inheritance so that he could go off and do his own thing and never come back. And and so the father, somewhat reluctantly, he did. He said, "Okay, you know, go ahead. I don't want you to leave, but he, but here you go. This is what you asked for." And the son, he took uh, took his inheritance and he very quickly wasted it, and wild living and parties and you know whatever else. And then eventually, he wasted all of it. He had nothing left. He ended up sitting in a, in a pig pen with pigs, Uh, I was so hungry. He was like hoping that the pigs would share their food with him, (laughs) and then he came to his senses. He said, you know, when I was at my dad's place, I always had stuff to eat. My dad made sure of it. I always had a bed to sleep in. My dad made sure of it. I always had a place where I could rest, where I could just be me. My dad made sure of it, and so he said, you know what? I'll come up with a plan. And his plan was, I'm going to go home and I'm going to beg my dad, just treat me like one of your, the people that you hire to operate the grounds. Treat me like an employee. And at the very least, he'll have something to eat and a place to sleep at night. And he may not have a dad who loves him anymore, but, but at, at least, at least he'll be physically okay. And so he started making his way back towards his dad's house. And the Bible tells us the way that Jesus told him the story is that the father kind of seemed to have his eye on the horizon at all times, hoping and praying that his his son would come one day, and one day he did. And so, when the father saw the sun on the horizon, he went out and he ran to him. And and the son starts saying his rehearsed spe- speech. He's like, "Dad, it's like I, um, you know, I uh, I did something really wrong here, and I don't deserve to be your child. But you know, could could you just hire me or treat me at least like one of your hired people and, and welcome me back in that way?" And it was as if the father didn't even hear him. Jesus says he just, he wrapped his arms around his son, embraced him and and took him in again as his son, even though his son didn't deserve it, even though the son broke the father's heart. And of course, Jesus was telling that story, not because it really happened, but because that's a picture of what God has done for us. The same kind of relief and refreshment that son received when the father embraced him and welcomed him home simply because that's what he wanted to do. That is the very same thing we have from God, through Jesus, the perfect son, who forgave all of our imperfections, forgave all the times that we have despised God's word, who's forgiven already all the times that we have neglected God's word or God's church, or, or the times that we've complained more about it, or the times that we've gotten so distracted by life that we haven't even thought about God, Jesus, they're forgiven. And you are God's child. You are his son. You're his daughter. And every time you come to worship with a group of Christians, why I hope and pray that that's the message that's shared, because it ought to be. There is good news for Christians when we gather. Good news that gives us strength and hope and endurance and every other good thing that our Heavenly Father knows that we need, every step of the way, to get to the day when we will finally rest eternally with Him and with each other. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy.